welcome back to Bengal Bites, a podcast about the Cincinnati Bengals from a real, raw, unfiltered perspective. I'm your host, Derek. This is episode 36, the week 17 preview episode, where the Cincinnati Bengals at 8 and 7 go into Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs at 9 and 6. Bengals need this game and probably both of the next two games to be able to make it into the playoffs. Chiefs are looking to win this game so they can clinch the AFC West division and at least get one home playoff game. But both of these teams are fighting for their playoff lives in this game. Before we dive into this Week 17 preview, just a reminder, if you're brand new to this show, you can go back and check out Episode 0 where I explain more about who I am, why I'm making this show, but the short version is I'm a lifelong fan of the Bengals, former college football player. I listen to tons of Bengals content and podcasts and all kinds of podcasts out there, and I wanted to make a podcast from an unbiased outsider perspective. I'm not trying to sell you anything. There's no ads in this podcast. I'm just here talking about Bengals football from my own perspective without any kind of ulterior motives. Now, in our last episode, we unfortunately had to describe in detail the horrible loss to Pittsburgh Steelers at Pittsburgh, where Bengals just didn't show up to play. They got blown away. Jake Browning threw three interceptions. Offense looked terrible. Outside of T. Higgins, T. Higgins probably had his best game of his career, maybe. He had a long 80-yard touchdown pass, over 150 yards receiving. That was the longest touchdown pass of T. Higgins' career. So he showed off some speed, showed off some athleticism with Jamar Chase being out. We'll get to Jamar Chase a little bit later. But Bengals' defense against the Steelers looked horrible. They gave up a bunch of long touchdown passes to George Pickens. So luckily, there's no more Steelers to play in the schedule. We just have the Chiefs and the Browns, the two best defenses in the NFL to go up against the last two weeks. So that'll be fun. In this episode, we're going to preview this game against the Chiefs, talk about what the Bengals need to do, do a little bit of a scouting report, what we expect from the Chiefs, and we'll also cover all the interesting storylines about this game coming into it. It is the kind of holiday week, holiday time, so it's a little bit slower, even for the Bengals media crew. So they're not pumping out the content as much as they had been up until this. You know, it's the end of the season, end of the year. Everybody's kind of get a little bit fatigued, a little bit worn out. So we're going to keep going all the way through this end of the season. Hopefully this season continues more than just these two weeks. But we at least got two more games to talk about. And in this Chiefs game, we know that the Chiefs are kind of a familiar opponent. They've faced the Chiefs in the last two AFC Championship games. They also played the Chiefs at, I think it was Paul Brown Stadium back at the time, a couple years ago. So they got some familiarity, more familiarity with the Chiefs than a lot of other teams the Bengals haven't played. And that, I think, is maybe kind of works against the Bengals because they're 0-5 in the division. The divisional opponents, the Browns, Ravens, Steelers, they haven't beaten a divisional opponent, which are the teams who are most familiar with the Bengals. They play each other twice a year. All those coaches are very familiar with Zach Taylor and his team. That hasn't had a lot of success for the Bengals this season, and hopefully that doesn't carry over against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are another team. They played the Bengals. They know the Bengals. They know what they want to do. They know their players. They know their coaches. So it could be another situation where the Chiefs have the Bengals all figured out and Hopefully that's not the case, but I just get the feeling that the Chiefs might be kind of like a divisional opponent and they know what to do and what the Bengals are going to try to do against them. One of the biggest factors in this game is going to be 
injuries in terms of who's going to be available to play and who's not. So we might as well cover that right out here for the beginning. Jamar Chase is most likely going to play. I, the reason I say most likely is we don't know he's questionable with the shoulder injury that kept him out last week. So it was obviously a severe enough injury that he had to miss at least one game. But this is a big game. The team's playoff hopes are basically on the line in this game. Jamar, they interviewed him during the week, and he said he's going to have to see whether or not he plays. It's going to be a game-time decision. So he's officially questionable. We're not going to know all the way up until the game time whether or not he's going to play. But he was talking to the media. He was you know, very confident, as he always is. The media asked Jamar what stands out about this Chiefs defense, and he said, honestly, nothing. Basically, he said, they double-team me and T because they know what we're trying to do, <laughs> which is, I don't know if he meant to say it that way, but he said, like, basically the Chiefs knew what they wanted to do, knew how to play defensive against them. So it made it sound like the Chiefs, you know, had them figured out. But he was like, it's not like they have a Jalen Ramsey on their team. Jalen Ramsey's one of the, you know, top cornerbacks, Pro Bowl cornerbacks in the league for a long time. So he's basically saying, you know, it's not like they have a stud defensive back on their team, especially because they got rid of, or they... You know, they didn't re-sign Charvarius Ward, who was one of their top cornerbacks. He went to the 49ers. So now they have Legereus Sneed as their top cornerback. And he's been battling a calf injury. He was on the injury report. He's listed as questionable also. So the Bengals' top wide receiver, Jamar Chase, he's questionable. Chiefs' top defensive back, who would be covering Jamar Chase, Legereus Sneed, also questionable. So that matchup is going to be one we'll have to watch and just see, are these guys even going to play? That would make a big difference for both of these teams, you know, whether their top players can play. Now, along those same lines for the Bengals, one other thing that could help them is getting back Cam Taylor Britt off of injured reserve. He's been on injured reserve for the last four weeks with an injured ankle that he suffered in practice, not even in a game. But he's been out and he was their top cornerback. He was leading the team in interceptions. I think he had an interception in like three or four games in a row before he went on to injured reserve. And you would have imagined that he would have been a little bit better at covering George Pickens maybe than Cheeto Bay Awuzie was last week. You know, Cheeto's still coming off that ACL injury, and he was one-on-one -on -one with George Pickens, which is a tough matchup. Not that Cam Taylor Britt would have necessarily won, but maybe he could have kept up a little bit better. But just having another good defensive back can't hurt. You know, these guys, if they're if they're Cheeto, you know, he's got to play like every snap if Cam Taylor Britt's not in available. This way, if they get Cam Taylor Britt back, they can kind of substitute Cheeto in a little bit more on some of these plays where he could help out maybe as a slot cornerback and extra defensive back and not have to be like the number one top cornerback because that's a tough matchup for anybody against George Pickens. But for Cheeto this year, it's not, he's, I don't want to say he's lost a step, but. Getting Cam Taylor Britt back should be helpful for the Bengals in this one, especially because the Chiefs have such a potent passing attack. The Bengals are going to need all the help that they can get on defense. The, you know, the thing is, if they don't have Cam Taylor Britt, then they got to start pulling up some of these guys from the back end of the roster, like Jalen Davis. And once you start getting to those kind of end of the roster guys, the talent can start to dip off there. So we don't want that. We want as much talent on the field as possible. Now, the Bengals are looking pretty good, apart from those two couple guys, Jamar Chase, Jalen Davis, he's also questionable, but if we get Cam Taylor Britt back, it won't even matter, because Jalen Davis can just stay on the bench. But for the Chiefs, they have a couple guys out. Their left tackle, 
Donovan Smith is going to be out with a neck injury. And also Kadarius Toney, their wide receiver, is going to be out with a hip injury. Their running backs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Isaiah Pacheco, are both questionable. Pacheco got a concussion last week. If you watched the Chief game last week against the Raiders, he got his helmet ripped off. And then he got kneed in the head by his own offensive lineman while his helmet was off. So that was a really scary situation. He got you know hit in the head with no helmet on. That's not good. So hopefully he can figure out how to get his chin straps buckled up this week. If he plays in the game, it's looking like he probably will because he did get a limited practice session in on Friday. If he clears the concussion protocol, he'll probably play. If not, Clyde Edwards-Alaire probably will play, but it's also questionable because he's battling through some kind of an illness. They never say what the illness is. Hopefully it's nothing too serious, maybe just like a sinus infection or something like that. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire did not practice Thursday or Friday. So hopefully, you know, for the Bengals, he's not able to go, but we'll have to see about that. Legereus Sneed, the Chiefs cornerback we already mentioned, he did not practice at all this week, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Chiefs played last Monday, so that's a bit of a short week for the Chiefs. They got to play Monday to Sunday. Bengals get a little bit of extra rest. So the Bengals have two extra days to recover. That's maybe why the Chiefs have more guys on their injury report is because the Bengals have that two extra days where they can rest, recover. They played last Saturday as opposed to the Chiefs playing on Monday. But Bengals may be a little bit more healthy. Definitely on the offensive line, Bengals have all the offensive linemen. Same five starting offensive linemen they've had all season. Hopefully they can protect Jake Browning against Chris Jones and the rest of this Chiefs defense. This is going to be a challenge for the Bengals because the Chiefs have one of the top defenses in the league, especially in terms of yards and points. The Chiefs are the number two defense in the NFL. And the Chiefs are especially good at defending against the pass, that they're number two in defending against the pass yardage also. Not kind of middle of the pack in terms of the running game, but that's not a good matchup for the Bengals because the Bengals are not really a great running team. They prefer to pass, so they're going up against a Chiefs defense that is very good against defending the pass. It'll be a tough matchup for the Bengals offense. And the Bengals on defense, we know their Bengals are not good at all on defense. They gave up a lot of points last week. They're especially bad against the run, which isn't necessarily the Chiefs' strength. Their two running backs are kind of questionable heading into this game. Bengals are maybe a little bit better against the pass on defense. But either way, the Bengals need to figure out something. Lou Anarumo and all the rest of these defensive coaches and players, they need to figure out a way to stop the Chiefs without DJ Reader. That's going to be the biggest challenge. So getting Cam Taylor Britt back hopefully will help this Bengals defense keep the Chiefs within a reasonable amount of points. Like if the Chiefs are putting up, you know, 30, 35 points against the Bengals, that's not really the game plan that the Bengals want for Jake Browning. We don't want Jake Browning throwing 40 times, having to keep up with a, you know, high-powered Chiefs offense. We need it to be a low-scoring game for the Bengals to realistically have a chance in this one. Now, now we know Jamar Chase came out and told the media that Chiefs defense, nothing really special, nothing really stands out about them. They don't have Jalen Ramsey on their team. But Zach Taylor takes the opposite approach, obviously. He says, you know, he always wants to be very respectful of his opponents. Everybody's very good. All the coaches on the other team do a really good job. All the players are really good. They got a really good scheme. Everybody's really good. 
So we didn't obviously get anything useful out of Zach Taylor's press conference. The only thing that was interesting to me about Zach Taylor's press conference was the question that Ben Baby asked. I don't know, maybe Ben Baby listens to this podcast because he was asking Zach Taylor about whether or not he believes in momentum <laughs> carrying through from week to week. He was asking like, do you think momentum can carry over from week to week? Is, it, is that like a real thing? And Zach Taylor was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's not a thing, you know, you know, whether you want to call it like getting in the rhythm, getting in the groove, momentum, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that exists. That's where I really have to take issue with Zach Taylor because maybe it's because I was you know, like a science nerd. I took physics in high school and in college for like multiple years. So I know the actual definition of momentum and it's the motion of an object. It's the mass times the velocity. So if you have more mass and more velocity, you have more momentum. So if you have like a dump truck has a lot of mass and if it's going at a high rate of speed, then the dump truck has a lot of momentum, you know, versus like a ping pong ball, which doesn't have a lot of mass, doesn't have, you know, even if it's not going, it doesn't matter how fast it's going, it's not going to have a lot of momentum because the velocity times the mass, it's not going to be that big compared to the dump truck. Anyway, the whole point is there is a real physical definition of momentum and winning football games has nothing to do with that. So using the term momentum in the context of Winning football games in a row makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't exist. And thank you, Ben Baby, for just asking that question. If you're listening right now, Ben Baby, good job on ESPN. All those articles you write, they're, you know, interesting. Except for those articles about Joe Mixon getting arrested. I didn't appreciate those. But other than that, good job, Ben Baby. So shout outs to Ben Baby for asking the question about momentum to Zach Taylor, which doesn't exist. Zach Taylor exists. If Zach Taylor was running or something and he had motion and we could multiply Zach Taylor's mass times his velocity, we could say Zach Taylor had momentum. Maybe we could, you know, hopefully when they throw Zach Taylor out of the building, like Will Smith style doing the jazz when they fire him, we'll have momentum getting Zach Taylor out of the building. But other than that, there's no momentum. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox about momentum, but it's just irritating. Anyway. One other player who's got a lot of vested interest in this game is going to be Orlando Brown Jr. He played for the Chiefs the last two seasons. He's very familiar with his old teammates. So I'm sure he wants to, you know, not necessarily get revenge, but play well against his old teammates. He was doing an interview with Dan Horde, the Bengals radio play-by-play -play guy. And Dan asked him, is it going to be weird to play up against your former teammates who you were so close to, you're probably formed a friendship with, a bond with, and now you're going to be going up against those same guys this weekend. And Orlando Brown said, you know, hey, that's part of the game. That's what we do. Those guys are both out there trying to feed their families and, you know, make money for their families. And I don't care if my mom was out there in the helmet. I would take her out too. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, Orlando Brown saying, like, you know, he doesn't really care whether or not he's playing the Chiefs or whoever it is. He's going to do his best. It was interesting, Orlando Brown he welcomed in the birth of his second son last week. He didn't get to go to the birth itself, so he had to watch in the locker room on FaceTime to see his second son. That's what happens when you have, you know, multiple kids. First kid, you probably want to be there, I would imagine, I don't know, but first kid, you probably want to be there. Second kid, you can kind of, you know, watch it on FaceTime. Not that it's not a big deal still, but maybe he's already been through the experience. He knows what to expect. Hopefully there's no complications or anything like that. And I would assume that his wife's 
parents or family or somebody else was there with her actually in person. But good, you know, congratulations to Orlando Brown. My only advice would be what about, you know, not that it's necessarily your choice, but like, why is he having, because this is the second, he said this is the second Christmas baby he had in a row. His first baby was born a couple days before Christmas. This baby was born a few days after Christmas. How about getting the logistics of the baby making figured out? Like, why not, you know, create the babies in like June or July so that the due date is in the off season, like in March or April, something like that, where you don't have to, you know, have it in the middle of the game or you're missing games or not able to see the birth of your child because you're playing in a football game. You know, I don't know anything about that, but I would maybe try to figure that out. But a lot of, you know, players, they can't control that. They have babies whenever. I know it's a thing. So congratulations to Orlando Brown on the birth of his second son. We know that's a big deal for him because his dad played in the NFL and died when Orlando Brown was at a young age. So even more reason for Orlando Brown to be involved in his child's life from the beginning. But hey, you know, he's out there making the money for the Bengals, doing what he's got to do. I appreciate that, Orlando Brown. And one of the other players that I so often appreciate is Jake Browning. Now, like I've mentioned so often, Jake Browning is very honest and open and shows some vulnerability, some, you know, behind the curtains into his psyche. That's why I always listen to the Jake Browning interviews, get some insights. And he said after he watched the tape of the Steelers game, the thing that jumped out is obvious, can't have all those interceptions. I mean, we could, you know, we knew that even during the game is can't have all those interceptions. And he said that basically those three interceptions need to be incompletions at the worst. You know, the one where, especially where he threw, he said he tried to throw the ball out of bounds and accidentally threw it inbounds and right to the Steelers. That's got to be an incomplete pass. And if you go back and watch it, I watched like the slow-mo reverse angle. It looked like Jake Browning's eyes were looking into the end zone. It looked like he threw it where he was looking. He wasn't like looking like he was throwing it out of bounds. He was looking like he was trying to throw it in the end zone. So I don't know if it's a case where he went back and saw that he should have thrown it out of bounds and then changed his story and was like, oh yeah, I was trying to throw it out of bounds. I don't think he would lie though. He seemed like he was being pretty honest. But either way, yeah, he just can't make those type of bad mistakes, bad plays, bad turnovers. Got to be more careful with holding onto the ball. So that's what we're going to look for out of Jake Browning. Hopefully he doesn't get like overly conservative. But it would be hard to be, you know, more conservative given the fact that Jake Browning, his depth of target is one of the shortest in the league, meaning when Jake Browning is throwing the ball, he's not throwing it down the field. Most of his passes are going at or behind the line of scrimmage. And that's one of the things I watched like the Chiefs preview on their YouTube channel just to kind of get that opposite perspective. The Chiefs were talking about how many passes Jake Browning throws behind or at the line of scrimmage, basically screen passes. And everybody everybody knows how many screens the Bengals are running last week. That's what the Chiefs are going to be looking for. They're not going to be looking for as much deep down the field. Although if they get Jamar Chase back, that's going to be a, a deep threat, along with T. Higgins and Andre Yosivash too. Chiefs are going to have to stay on their toes, but Jake Browning can't really throw that far. So as long as they don't get beat initially with the deep pass, they're probably going to be looking more for the short to intermediate routes from Jake Browning. And that's going to be a question of, can the Bengals break tackles? If the Bengals are going to throw all these screens and short passes out to the flat and all that kind of stuff, they have to catch it and then break a tackle to make a big play. If they just throw a pass for zero yards and then immediately get tackled, that really wasn't a successful play. So if the Bengals are going to run all these plays, they got to make plays, got to make somebody miss. 
They haven't been doing that lately, but hopefully they'll have a little bit better success against the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs in this game are favored by about seven points. Last week, somehow the Bengals were favored against the Steelers in Pittsburgh by like two or three points, which is kind of weird. But I guess it was just because they were, I'm not going to say they were on momentum, but they were on a roll. They had won three games in a row. They were on a streak, you know. But yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers did not care anything about the streak or anything like that. They absolutely blew the Bengals away by multiple touchdowns. So in this game, the Bengals are seven-point underdogs, but it doesn't mean anything. They could come out and win by two touchdowns if they have a good game. But it's just saying that people around the country are not having a lot of confidence in the Bengals going in and beating the Chiefs at G-E-H-A field or whatever. It's not G-H-A, it's G-E-H-A. I was listening to one of the Chiefs broadcasters say it. They have to say all the letters. If you want to talk about a terrible name for a stadium, just call it Arrowhead, not G-E-H-A. But, you know, that's the... Uh, promotional marketing, sponsorships, whatever they had to pay for. If you thought Paycor was a bad name for a stadium or Acrisure was a bad name for a stadium, what about, about uh, just a bunch of letters? G-E-H-A, field. You know, it just rolls off the tongue. G-E-H-A, bunch of letters. Why don't you throw some more letters on there? Just whatever random stuff you want to come up with. X-Y-Z Stadium, cool. So that's where they're playing. It's Arrowhead Stadium. To me, Arrowhead, the Chiefs, all that kind of stuff. It does give me a little bit of the creeps. We got all these Caucasian people in the stadium doing the tomahawk chop. None of these people are Native Americans. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I kind of get the willies. All these people at these, like, you know, the Braves, the Indians, the Chiefs, all these Native American team names, and then they like, doing the tomahawk chop. They're really not, like respecting the Native Americans. They're really mocking Native Americans. None of you guys are Native Americans doing this tomahawk job. So I would prefer to get all that out of sports in general. But the Chiefs, you know, they're in the middle of Missouri, Kansas, kind of a backwards part of the country just in general. So it's a bunch of rednecks in the stands doing the tomahawk chop, drinking their bush light or whatever it is. So I'm not going to be going to Kansas City anytime, so I can say that. But even though the Chiefs are favored by so much in this game, they're beatable. They've lost, I think, Three of their last home games, like their last three home games they lost. Like Normally, teams have a home field advantage. The Chiefs have been losing games at home for whatever reason this season. And, you know, there's stories in the news about how the players are frustrated. Who knows what you want to read into that. But, you know, Mahomes has obviously visibly been frustrated on the sidelines. Cameras have picked him up yelling and just having bad body language looking very frustrated, not what we typically see out of Mahomes, but typically the Chiefs are winning a lot of games, so maybe that's why he's been in a better mood in previous years. But it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, all the crying, the complaining out of Mahomes. Seems kind of like a sore loser. And so there's questions about, well, what's going on with the Chiefs? Nobody has really brought up the fact that Eric Bieniemy is not the offensive coordinator anymore. People just seem to forget about that. They don't give Eric Bieniemy any credit. They say it was all Andy Reid, all Patrick Mahomes, and Eric Bieniemy was apparently just along for the ride. Not that he's had a ton of success in Washington this year as their offensive coordinator, but the commanders are kind of tanking. It seems like they trade away most of their good players, so the commanders didn't really have a good chance of being successful anyway, but, you know, the Chiefs' offense hasn't looked quite as potent this year, although they do have a ton of good receivers. It's like, even though some of their receivers have gone out with injuries, they just find more guys to fill in. Tyree Kill's gone, fine, we'll get, you know, Rasheed Rice and Justin Watson and 
Marquez Valdez Scanling and even Miko Hardman is back on the Chiefs. But the biggest one we have to watch out for, of course, is Travis Kelsey, number 87, the tight end. But they also have Noah Gray and a couple other receivers who are doing a good job for the Chiefs. But Kelsey, I think he's maybe 50 or so yards short of getting another 1,000-yard season. That may happen in this game. I think something like his like seventh straight 1,000-yard season receiving, which no tight end has ever done. So that'll be a big milestone. Hopefully the Bengals don't let him get it on them, but it's within reach for Kelsey. One of the other things we're going to have to put up with is having to see a bunch of Taylor Swift shots if the Chiefs score a touchdown. That's what's every single game. Okay, are we supposed to believe that Taylor Swift has nothing else to do with her life than go to every Chiefs game, home and away? It's, I mean, it's obviously for publicity, but even these players, like actual wives and girlfriends, don't go to every single game, home and away. So... I am just so sick of having to see Taylor Swift on all these Chiefs games. Hopefully the Chiefs never score, so they never show her. But what they used to do, you know, show the fans, show people in the stands, Chiefs, you know, real Chiefs fans getting excited in the stands. I don't want to see a bunch of Taylor Swift. Anyway, that's one of the things we're going to have to put up with in this game is all that crap. But this game is going to be on Sunday afternoon. It's going to be the late window game, 425 on CBS. So that means we're going to have Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson. It's going to be the top CBS crew. And whether you're a fan of Tony Romo or not, you know, this signifies that this is going to be a big game. Even though Joe Burrow is not playing in this game, that's kind of what I'm sure the network had in mind when they put this on the schedule is Chiefs versus Bengals. The last two AFC Championships games have been between these two teams. It's going to be a great battle of quarterbacks between Mahomes and Burrow. Now it's going to be Mahomes versus Jake Browning. But one interesting thing, a little nugget of statistic I saw out there, was that Jake Browning, he's got so far three 300-yard passing games in five games, first five starts. This is going to be his sixth start coming up against the Chiefs. If Jake Browning throws for 300 yards against the Chiefs, that would make him the third player in NFL history to have four 300-yard passing games in his first six starts the other two players to have previously had 300 yards passing in their first four 300 yard passing games in their first six starts Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow so amazingly Jake Browning could join an elite club that only Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow are currently in and that would be a story in and of itself Hopefully, Jake Browning is able to throw for those 300 yards. It's going to be tough, though, against this Chiefs defense, which is very stingy against the pass. They don't give up a lot of yards against the pass at all. More likely, we're going to see a lot of pressure up front. Hopefully, Cordell Volson, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa are able to protect Jake Browning, keep the pressure off of him. But it's going to be an immense challenge because they're going up against one of, if not the best, defensive tackle in the NFL in Chris Jones, number 95. Watch out for him. They're going to have to double team him every play. They asked Jake Browning, you know, does he need to be aware of Chris Jones on every play? And he's like, well, that's more of a question for the line. I can't really be worried about that as a quarterback because I got my own stuff to worry about. So we'll see about that. He may find himself having to worry about Chris Jones a lot more than he anticipates, but hopefully not. Hopefully the Bengals offensive line can figure it out.
But this Bengals team has been very streaky throughout the season. They have very few where they just kind of one win, one loss. It's been like a series of three wins in a row, two losses in a row, four wins in a row, three losses in a row. So they kind of go on streaks. Hopefully that loss against the Steelers was just a one-off and they won't go on a losing streak to end this season. But both of these teams in Chiefs and Browns are going to be tough opponents, tough games to win. So we need to get a win in both of these weeks, most likely to make the playoffs. If they don't win both of their last two games, the odds of making the playoffs are going to be very low. They have to get a ton of help from a lot of other scenarios. If they can win these last two games on the other side, they most likely would make the playoffs, or they have a very good chance to make the playoffs. So it's going to be a challenge. Hopefully the Bengals are ready to go coming up this Sunday. But like I said at the end of the last episode, I just want it to be a good, entertaining game. Last week, watching that game was miserable from start to finish. It wasn't entertaining. It felt like just getting punched in the gut over and over and over. It wasn't fun at all. So I just want a fun, entertaining, enjoyable game to watch, at least, please. (laughs) And just don't get blown away. Keep it close. At least keep the game within one score so I can, you know, at least feel like they have a chance in the game. That's what we're going to be watching for. After the game, of course, we'll come back as we always do with a recap of the game to break down everything interesting that happened throughout the game. Before I go, just want to remind you, if you've listened this far, subscribe to the show, give me a rating, share it with your friends, all that kind of stuff. Let me know what you think in the comments. Let me know how I can improve the show. Let me know what you think about the Bengals going into this game. How are they going to do? What do you? Let me know your score prediction. Go in the comments. Let me know what you think the score of this Bengals-Chiefs game is going to be. But until next time, I'm going to leave you with a who day and stay hungry for more Bengal Bites. Thank you.